we are continuing our eight-part series, which is the first time we've done, ever done an eight-part series um, on artifacts. So literally, we are looking, if I, my, my mum wrapped this up for me to borrow, and she, yeah, oh great, she didn't do that good, that's all right. So, like, the first week we had the Ark of the Covenant that we looked at, the second week we looked at the table for bread. Today we're looking at the golden lampstand. I'm gonna leave it over this side of the room. It actually didn't look anything like that. Um, so you're probably thinking, why did you bring a visual aid that it doesn't look like? Uh, the only similarity between the two is that there's a centerpiece and there are six branches and one central piece. Now the reason why I couldn't bring you an accurate visual aid is because no one actually knows what it looked like. Um, thank you. Uh, there's some things that they do know about it, some things they don't know about it, but they weren't allowed to make replicas. So there was only one, um, well, a couple, because they had um, the tabernacle first time round, which was the whole tent thing, and they had one of those in there. Um, and then they had it in the temple as well. So they had a few, few times it got made, but it could only be made properly for the actual use. So people had replica ones. So for example, with this one, one of the key reasons why that is definitely not what it looked like is firstly, parts of it aren't gold. Um, secondly, the bits are made out of different other bits, whereas really it was all hammered out of one piece of gold. Also, the middle one is higher than the others, and that would completely destroy its purpose and function, which will make sense later. Um, this was kept um, in, in the tabernacle, but there were separate areas. So the Ark of the Covenant was on its ones behind a curtain, and before you got to that and behind that curtain, you would come to a place which would have um, the golden lampstand, which we're looking at today, the table for bread, and one other artifact, which we'll be getting to uh, later on in the series. Don't want to, spoiler alert, woo, even though you can read in your Bible what it is, who cares? I'm just going to keep it to myself. So those are kind of, that's kind of um, what we're looking at today. And so we find out about this thing. And the reason we're doing this series, looking at these artifacts, is because these were all made after people were set free from slavery. And each one of these things were not just a part of a priesthood, but they were part of an illustration, a part of a picture. And they artistically represent what God is about, what his people are about, what he wants them to be about, what he wants them to focus on. Um, this is the centerpiece. So the whole tabernacle, everything inside it is the centerpiece of the whole nation. Whenever they were moving, it would be the, the Ark of the Covenant was kept at the front and they followed through. But then when they stopped, the whole of all the tribes were set out around the tabernacle, right at the center of everything. Um, so this was the very centerpiece for everything that they were about, everything they knew as a society. They were getting a new identity. They'd had a slave mentality in Egypt. They became free. They had a vacuum. They needed something to fill the vacuum. So Moses brings about this law, this instruction, as the other way they looked about it, and they brought about a priesthood. And the priesthood um, would come from every family, the firstborn. And also, yeah, they'd become like their own kind of um, people group within the wider people group. And so... What this item is about is it is about light. Thank you very much. Um, I'm here all day. Well, part of the day. But yeah, it's all about light. It's all about light. Now, the interesting thing about it is um, often different kind of religions and different kind of um, cults or beliefs of the day would have things for their God. So, for example, last week we talked about the table for bread and the bread wasn't actually for God, but other gods their people tried to feed them. So the, like the false gods around Israel, they would actually leave food for God to eat. Um, the children of Israel weren't leaving the bread for God to eat. It was there as a thankfulness for the other six days of the week that God provided. 
this was to be lit and it was to be constantly lit. It was to be kept lit. So it was kind of like the Olympic uh, torch, but way, 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 way before the Olympic torch um, ever existed. So this thing was forever kept lit, apart from the times when they, they lost it or it was destroyed, um, or when they didn't have a tabernacle or when they didn't have a temple. So there were periods in Israel's history when that wasn't the case, but when they did have the golden lampstand, it was lit continuously. The area it's kept in, so it's not kept in with the Ark of the Covenant, so, that and it's, so it's the other side of the curtain. So that tells us one really, really key piece of information. That tells us that the light isn't for God, the light is for the priests. Um, and that is a really strong illustration in a number of ways. It's a strong illustration. So the, the light wasn't, wasn't, for, um, wasn't for God for them. That's not how they saw it. The light was for the priests. So the priests would come in and they would see um, the table for bread. They would carry out the other kind of sacrifice things they were doing under, um, under its light. So Ricky Gervais made this wicked, wicked joke. He did this um, comedy tour and I remember seeing it on TV and like he went ham on Genesis and it was just really, really funny. And one of the things he gets to was God creates loads of stuff and then there comes this moment where God makes light and then, and then Ricky Gervais and he sees that it's good and Ricky Gervais is like, that, is, that, that just blew his mind. He was just like, so basically God made all this stuff in the dark. Imagine what he'd done if he could see what he was doing. And that, that was his kind of, and I remember seeing that and I was just in hysterics. I was like, that is, that is so, so funny and that is so unbelievably hilarious um, but this kind of follows on with that same thought pattern so it's the idea is that God doesn't need the light and that the priests need the light to see what they're doing and Jesus uses this illustration when he carries on in some of his teachings because he talks about the religious leaders of the day being the blind leading the blind reminding them that you can't see you can't see what you're doing you don't know what you're doing when it comes to his affairs that you need the light and Jesus talks about himself being the light and actually that is exactly how it is with us and that is exactly how it is for me as an individual I need light as an individual you need light and what we tend to find is within certain cultures and within the the Christian worldview is there's all different pastors that are vying for this powerful position and a lot of the time they will talk about things like they have ownership of this light and they don't so sometimes you get like these crazy megalomaniac pastors that kind of go like, well, I'm completely in the right and this guy's completely in the wrong and I own the entire worldview on this and if you don't submit, find another church. Um, which I totally get that when it comes to unity and joining in a church mission, but sometimes people will use this subjectively to gain power, to manipulate people and to get people to do what they want to do. And these things happen, but you see with this particular item, what we have is we have an item that is reminding the very priests, the very movers and shakers of a nation, it's reminding them you're blind and you can't see. And when it comes to, to the, my ways, you are in the dark and I enlighten you. And so this was like really quite a powerful um, illustration for them as a people. The other thing about it is, and why this example sucks, is because on the, on the legitimate um, golden lampstand, the, the branches have these kind of buds on them and kind of representing like a tree. So at the same time as this shining a light, the light that it is shining is pointing back to Eden and it's pointing back to the tree of life. And it's reminding a people, it's reminding a nation that not just looking back at Egypt, but looking way back before that, seeing this is how things were. Things were good and there was life. And it reminds us that God gives life 
life and that God gives light. And it points back um, to a time when the struggle was not real because the struggle was non-existent. And so the way that this lampstand was designed was not just as a lampstand, but a pointer back to Eden to remind them of a time when things were good and that this was a light reminding them what was behind them, a light reminding them in the struggle and a light reminding them ahead that one day there is a promise that things will be restored to how they were, that there will be balance, there will be equilibrium, there will be peace, there will be this restoration. And the other thing about it is the tops... um, they held like um, vast amounts of like olive oil and they had a wick um, in them. Now there's a reason why oil is such an important illustration. It's because time and time again throughout the whole of the scriptures from this point forward, the prophets would use this illustration and they would relate it to the spirit of God. And in the New Testament, we would see it whenever someone talks about oil, they're kind of talking about like the spirit of God upon us, about his spirit being in us. Um, and it's a really, really key illustration that when you start to bring all the different angles of what this is, so when you have this, this artistic design that was first put in place that would prophetically speak to a people, to a nation, and still speaks to us today, it would be speaking about God's provision. It would be speaking about His Spirit. And what happens when the oil runs out is you don't get the light anymore. When the oil runs out and when the oil runs low, the flame starts to flicker lowly it doesn't burn bright anymore and the other thing about this so i talked about the middle piece um not on that illustration of the um candlestick i brought in it's higher than the rest but it was actually equal and the cool thing about this and what it speaks about is it speaks about unity it speaks about power it speaks about oneness it speaks about um ecclesia so the children of israel were united in their struggle with god and for his plans and purposes because israel means one who struggles with god In the New Testament, we have um, what we call church, and church is translated from a Greek word, ecclesia, um, which basically means a group of people who are called out together for a purpose. And so when we look at this, what we see is we see ecclesia, and we see Israel, and we see the sign that they are united, because all of them are are on a central level together, but also the middle piece is... is, um, is kind of representative of God, and the other pieces of the branches coming off. So it talks about Israel being the branches. Now Jesus talks about this, where he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And so when Jesus talks about this, he's talking actually about the golden lampstand, because when they see this, it's designed like a tree, and it has these buds engraved on it, and he's saying, I am the centerpiece that gives you life. And you want to look back to the tree of life? I am the life. And we talked last week, he talked about I'm the bread of life. So Jesus talks about the items in the tabernacle and he really probably ticked people off because every time he uses an illustration, he's saying it's me. Where's Wally? Where's Jesus? I'm in all of it. You're going to find me in the tabernacle. It's not going to be, it's where you don't find me in the tabernacle. Someone please show me where Jesus isn't in the tabernacle because in every item you look at, you're going to see him, you're going to hear his tradition, you're going to hear his story and you're going to hear him allude to it. And so when we look at this, we have I am the vine. Because he is the centerpiece. The branches come off of it. But ultimately, with all of the, the tops being completely in symmetry and the same height together, what happens is when you light each one of those flames is you no longer have individual lights, but you have this line just brightly as one light. So when you looked at this, you knew there were branches and then you knew they were coming off from the, the main stand. 
But what you realized was that they shined with one light. And so Jesus started to talk about this, and Paul talks about this, and a number of others talk about this. So when we think about it, we can look at John's gospel, just throwing out a couple of um, light passages and with this in mind and what I've said. So I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Boom. I have come into the world as light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. He's saying, you guys don't know what it's about, but here I am and I'm revealing it to you. I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Paul talks about it. Ephesians 5 verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. So Christ is alluding to being the light of the people for the people. Philippians 2 verse 15. That you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now there's one unbelievably key thing about light now as a church we call ourselves city hill and the reason that that was the name for us was because in matthew 5 14 to 16 jesus talks about it he says you are the light of the world and then he gives an illustration he says a city on a hill cannot be hidden he said another illustration you don't light a lamp and stick it under a basket you light a lamp and you put it on a lamp stand so that all who are in the room can see. That all in the room can see. That they may see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. That's the gist of the overall picture. Now, when we came together as a church and when we started City Hill, the idea and the focus was that ultimately, collectively, as a church, Ecclesia, we would be like this that we would be united, that we would shine bright, that we would reveal who God is to those around us in many ways. That ultimately the main thing would be our lifestyles would be different than we were before we came to City Hill. That we would stand out, that our friends would see a significant difference in us, the way we are, that we would um, act differently, that we would spend our money differently, that we would think differently, that we would love differently, we would serve differently, that we would be focused not just on ourselves, but we would be focused on those around us, that we would be light. You see, the thing about light is, and why Jesus says you are the light of the world, is because there isn't a single person here that has ever seen light. You've never seen light. You've seen what light has revealed. You've seen what it's revealed. No one's seen light. You haven't. Right now, there's light all around us. We can't see the light. 
but we can see what the light is revealing to us. We can see the objects around us and we can see them because the light reveals it. So when God says you are the light of the world, he's saying your life isn't about getting to the top. Your life isn't about being on the candlestick one higher than the other. Your life is about revealing there is something more than capitalism. It's about revealing there is something more than you and your agenda and you climbing to the position and the desires that you have. There is something more important than celebrity. There is something more important than fame. There is a message that needs to be made famous, that we are one, that all are blind, and it's the blind leading the blind. But Jesus came, and he is the light of the world. And then when he speaks on the side of the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying, you are the light of the world, because he's saying, I am the vine, and you connect into me, and we shine together, united, bright and strong because we are a part of something greater so when they talk about ecclesia it's called out for a purpose so when we talk about city hill what we're talking about is we're called out for a purpose that we shine bright and we all shine the same way that when people look at you when people look at me they see the same thing they see someone who who loves them who cares for them who wants to see them move forward one of the things i love about um claude he's not here today but with dream nation you have this network and you see him always trying to help practical dreamers step up, move on, transition and grow in whatever business and whatever their dreams are. And he's always getting the best kind of speakers and businessmen and models and stuff to be in there to, to help others move up. So he's, and, and you see him and all he does is stand on the stage and say thank you at the end. That's all you see of him at the event. Like I've been to every event like for about two years now, missing one. And every time, all he does is stand at the end and go, thank you guys so much for making this possible, da, da, da. And then he steps off and that's it. Like, you, he's not, like, he's building something that obviously one day as a company is going to benefit him, but he's bringing everyone up with him and he's trying to help everyone get where they want to go. And he's always in conversation. He's not just talking about his agenda, but he's listening. And I'm like, man, I want to be more like him in that way because it's so awesome. And I, I'm picking him out because he's totally, totally got this. He's totally got this, which is one of the reasons I'm, I'm so happy he's kind of, he's not with us today, but he's with us in general, that this is his church. It's because he really embodies this. And I, I want to get to a place where I embody this more and more fully. So what does this mean? Well, this means for this week, we have to move away from a slavery of Egypt, which says it's about bricks, 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 build, 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 greatness, 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 me above of you. My agenda, I will step over you to get where I've got to go. I will, I will trample your face into dust. I will, I will get to greatness over your cold, dead corpses. I will get to greatness over the death of your children. I will hold you down that we will be the greatest, most glorious nation in the world. This, it says we are one, we are blind, we are broken. We do not know where we are going. But we look to the one who came, who led the way, who was the life, he's the way, the truth, the life. He is the light, he is the bread of life. He is the vine, we are the branches. And we are connecting ourselves into something that is greater than ourselves, that reveals not only something of eternal value of this crazy theology, which is about evacuation. Um, I wanna get into heaven, get me out of here. I'm a, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here mentality of the gospel. Whereas he says the kingdom of heaven has come, it is at hand, and he calls us to be a part of that. That's not to say there isn't something more.
but he wants us to be a part of a restoration plan right here, right now, in our communities, in our families, in our friendships, in our businesses. Everyone else may be unethical, we're going to do the ethical thing. Everyone else may be trampling over people, we're not going to be that because we believe the kingdom of heaven, as Jesus said, is at hand. It's within reach. It's now. It's not, let me just do what the heck I want and come to that later. It's here and now. Um, I'm going to pray for us. And um, that's going to be it for today. Father, would you come? Would you meet with us, Holy Spirit? Would you transform us from the inside out? Father, we've heard something of you today revealed that you wanted to speak to people in slavery. And God, we have come today no different. We have a slavery of a Western mentality that will see our greatness at the jeopardy and the misfortune of everyone else that says we are great and stuff the refugee crisis. But we acknowledge that we follow one who had to be a refugee fleeing fleeing his own home, moving to Egypt. And he brought restoration and hope and gospel and goodness and salvation. And he who knew no sin became sin itself and he was the restoration of all things. And in him he is calling and reconciling all things to himself. And that was awesome. Father, may we see him in the least of these. May we see him in every migrant situation. May we see him in all that we walk past this week. May we cease to ignore the needs of those that we come across. May we be aware and may we be challenged and may we be changed. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be awkward. But you haven't called us to comfortable lives. You've called us to lives of transformation and restoration. May you be at the center of all that we do. We worship you. We look to you. And Father, we acknowledge more than anything that there was oil in each of the lamps. And that if anyone at Sea Hill starts to go dry in our oil, we need a touch of your Holy Spirit to freshen us, to renew us, that we may shine bright equally as one big light together. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you fill us afresh this morning? We just welcome you here. Come and fill us afresh, Lord God. Fill us anew. You know the deep, dark areas of our lives where we are hurting and we are broken. Jesus, come and bring your restoration in us. You sit at the right hand of the Father. Send Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to empower us for your glory this week, Lord God, and for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.